You're listening to Liturgies of Life, the fifth season of Enacting the Kingdom. Here you'll be joining me and Father Jeffrey as we consider the wider implications of our everyday rituals. From shopping to social media to sports and to the so-called work-life balance, let's explore how the mundane aspects of our daily existence truly become liturgies of life. Public intellectuals. That's our topic for this episode of our series on liturgies of life, Father Jeffrey. Public intellectuals, people who put themselves out publicly and they teach, and then they start to develop followers who think that everything that they say is gold. And I I picked this topic and then I thought, oh, that's that's kind of like what we're doing, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Hopefully not, though. I mean... We can maybe uh, tease out some nuance in in the question somehow. Right. So I think, you know, first, any good discussion begins with a good kind of defining of terms. And and what is a public intellectual? And why do we feel that we have to talk about this in a Liturgies of Life series? Um, And I think we do. Um, So I'll sketch out maybe a very general sense of what a public intellectual Mm -hmm. is, And then, Father Jeffrey, from there, we can then start to parse out the good and the bad and right and and how um, us following a public intellectual might be a good thing and how it could also be turned um, into something bad as well. Um, We hope that the people who listen to us listen in a good way, listen Mm -hmm. in a good way. Um, So a public intellectual is basically somebody who has a public teaching platform. Somebody who perhaps uses YouTube or podcasts or, um, you know, back in the uh, back in the uh, pre-tech uh, internet days, it might be standing on a soapbox on the corner. Um, but somebody who has a public image, who perhaps teaches, writes books, um, gives public lectures, is invited to give talks at universities or um, goes on tour to give talks. And <clears throat> there are many, many public intellectuals. With the dawn of YouTube and podcasts, almost anybody can, if they know how to develop a brand, can become a public intellectual. And what uh, over time, you know, the, the point of doing this kind of work, because some people actually make a career out of it, is to develop an audience that can then you know, listen and take in your work and through them, you know, make some money. They buy your books, they subscribe to your channels, they become patrons of your podcast, right? You start to develop that audience um, of fans, basically. Um, So maybe I'll I'll kind of stop there in my sketching out of what a public intellectual is. And uh, Father Jeffrey, if you wanted to fill in any more about what a public intellectual is before we start getting in there uh, into the nitty gritty, we could do that or we could just start getting into the nitty gritty. Well, I don't want to forestall the nitty gritty too much, but I mean, just to maybe situate this a little bit in within church history, I think it might be helpful. Um, Absolutely. You know, obviously, the as you mentioned, the advent of everything from TED Talks to YouTube to, you know, all kinds of podcasts and everything has maybe accelerated the growth of this industry. But I think we should maybe acknowledge that there have been analogous things throughout church history and not altogether seen as a negative thing. I mean, I, I hope our, the nuance that we 
introduce today and discuss today, you know, will we'll provide some balance to this anyway. But I, I suppose the, the real challenge, and we're going to have to get at this in the podcast, is you know how these things intersect with what you might call the kind of church hierarchy, right? The, the the authority of the church and so forth. And I think that plays out on on many different levels today. But it's important to realize that this has always been a, an issue, right? You know, right back to the Old Testament to, you know, the, the there's a difference between the voice of the prophet and the voice of the priests or of the the king and, and his court and, and so forth, right? That both are kind of needed, and at times when one goes astray, the other calls the you know, the other back. And so, I would want to kind of maybe put a model in people's minds here, uh, a little bit of kind of two poles, you know, within within church life, within any sort of culture, with any any sort of society um, or institution. And that is that there's the kind of institutional pole, right? The the kind of hierarchical one, the one that kind of is all organized and, you know, you you know the lines of authority, the the chain of command, as it were, right? And then on the other hand, there's the kind of more charismatic pole where you know, things are not so organized by appointment and, you know, official proclamation or, or designation and so forth, but rather by the very authority that comes from the word that is spoken, right? And so in church history, you know, it, choose any era and you'll find both. You'll find the the bishops and the, the churches and the, the hierarchical organization on, on one side. And then you've got on the other side, the kind of charismatic leaders, the the spiritual elders, the prophets, the 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 saints, and and so forth, and and I think what we need to do in in the kind of balance of church life is to be attentive, you know, to to both. And I'm not suggesting that every celebrity public intellectual, you know, is a prophet, is a charismatic figure, but but there may be some, and there may be the fact that the the popularity, you know, that has accrued to some of these people, it, it's not unlike the kind of popularity of that, you know, elder in the forest that people would 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 kind of repair to, and then much to the consternation often of the the church authorities. So. I I don't want to be here hand wringing, you know, you and I both priests, we're, we're part of that hierarchical, you know, order in, in some ways. And we'll talk about the kind of responsibilities and kind of balances the accountability that we have, you know, in that regard compared to say somebody who just has a YouTube channel probably isn't accountable a whole lot uh, to, to anybody. But I mean, that was the way that bishops would wring their hands over, you know, my goodness, my people are all going off to see this guy in a cave in, in, you know, in the woods, you know, why aren't they listening to me, right? So we don't want to be like that. You know, we have to understand that there is a, a kind of wider picture here. But nevertheless, you know, what are the kinds of issues that are at stake, you know, spiritually, in terms of accountability, in terms of groundedness? I think there are, there, there are complexities that come from the kind of global reach today through the internet of some of these things. So, so I just want to set up some of these questions and, and, and kind of create a canvas here mm -hmm. in which mm -hmm. we can place some of our thinking because, it, you know, it's not so easy as us just sort of say, let's not do that or that's a bad thing or whatever, although there'll be certain aspects of it I think we want to call into question in any rate. Absolutely. Um, so let's get into the nitty gritty, but I, that's the kind of wider canvas that I want us to, to kind of have in mind that there's these two poles, you know, of, of institutional hierarchical order on the one side, and then where the Holy Spirit blows, you know, the kind of charismatic, um, you know, where the people go simply because, you know, they, they find uh, a certain word is being spoken. Now, we'll need to see how we balance that, but, but there are those two kind of overall 
poles within that canvas of, of church and society. The understanding that we are coming to with this series, if you haven't picked up on this already, uh, our dear listeners, um, is that there's this... I think that people have these religious impulses no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. And and what the church does is gives up the proper place in which to express those impulses. And if you express these impulses without that reference to that ultimate story which the church provides, things tend to go awry. And in our mm-hmm. culture, we live in a time, at least in Canada in 2022 when we're recording this, there is... Uh, mass exodus from the churches, right? People aren't going to church anymore. People, I think, in the COVID pandemic learned, oh, I didn't get struck by lightning when I didn't go to church for a year. Well, and I, I'm still a good person. So uh, maybe going to church every Sunday is kind of useless. Like maybe it's just a once a year thing or or just something I'm lightly attached to, but I don't really think about. So I think that people aren't a, don't have that grounding in a kind of contextual community in terms of religious expression. And then and then they explore these aspects, uh, these religious desires in other places. So that's what this whole series is about. But in this particular episode, talking about public intellectuals, I think there's something really important about somebody standing up in front of people and teaching. Like there's something mm-hmm. really uh, religious there, right? Um, like that sermon or, or like sometimes people we even go to stand up comics to receive like kind of teaching or commentary on our culture to learn more about who we are and where what our place is in culture. Good comics can even do that. So for me, it, it seems that a lot of people are gravitating to speakers on YouTube or podcasters or whatever it might be, no matter really who they are, because they're charismatic and they have good teaching or they have uh, powerful teaching. And But there's no real necessarily attachment to a community. And I'm wondering if we could talk about that. Like, what does it mean to receive teaching, but also to have a contextual community? And is there a divorce there? Uh, I'm not sure if you agree with me kind of seeing a divorce happening there. No, I I think you've put your finger on one of the principal issues, um, you know, that that comes from if you just make use of this anti-institutional, anti-hierarchical, anti-grounded community, you know, basis of, of the kind of voice in the wilderness. And, and that wilderness today can be the internet. And you, know, you can you can belong to this amorphous thing, uh, the fan group of the, the follower of, you know, uh, one of these leaders without ever really encountering another human being, right? You can you can do that without being grounded in an incarnational, you know, community. And we have to always and everywhere re- return to, you know, that you know, scriptural truths here. And and one is that, you know, we are body souls and 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 God becomes a human being and becomes one of us and and makes us part of that body. And that body isn't an amorphous, you know, worldwide mystical thing only. It is grounded in local community and real people to whom we are responsible and accountable and interdependent, you know, in an in, in inter, interdependent relationship with, um, uh, in ultimately in a, in a kind of love that, that mirrors the love of the, the communion of God himself in, in Trinity. Right. And, and that's hard work. And that's, that's a real struggle. It's a, it's a real, 
you know, labor that takes a long time. It goes through ups and downs. It goes through, you know, all kinds of, of challenges and, and hurdles. And, but there are also joys that, that, that come alongside the sorrows and so forth, uh, you know, of that. But one of the reasons I think people will sometimes tend towards this other pole um, is to avoid precisely that, right? You know, that I can get away with being a Christian, with thinking Christianly thoughts, with, you know, doing, you know, kind of uh, all of this spirituality, this mystical thing, perhaps even, if not just philosophy. And I don't ever have to encounter another human being. I don't have to live in community. I don't have to be responsible for something. I don't have to live this in the round, in the real world. I don't have to intersect between my faith and and the world, I don't have to do mission. All of this hard stuff can be avoided, but I can somehow convince myself that I'm I'm doing all the all the Christian things. And there's a real danger in this, you know, particularly what we've seen in the growth of the internet, and that has been expedited, accelerated, you know, through the pandemic as well. Whereas you say people have found that, you know, attending church was first of all forbidden at times or, or, or more complicated. And and so they just decided not to. And yet, oh my goodness, I can even participate in worship online without being engaged, without being present, without having to kind of confront, you know, people. So there's a, a real temptation there to kind of uh, turn from the grounded local community into this kind of global amorphous version of, of faith that, uh, that, that no longer is proper discipleship or, or Christian growth and development and mission. It's no longer the gospel, right? It, it has just become ideas. And, you know, at that level, I mean, it, it's, it's back into this problem we've articulated so often of, you know, it's turning Christianity into some kind of escape from the here and now escape from our bodies escape from from the world into into something that is just a kind of platonic uh, world of ideas and spirituality or, or or whatever and 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 that's not good right i mean that that that's fundamentally taking us away not only from the christian gospel but from our humanity and you know, we have to be careful that uh, we're not deluding ourselves into thinking we're doing all the Christian things just simply because there's a lot of Christian content on our YouTube channel or in our podcast lists or you know, because that's what we're spending a lot of mm-hmm. our time thinking about. It, that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity <laughs> is lived at the foot of the cross with real people in the real world as God goes forward through his Holy Spirit with his plan for new creation, not for just creating a lot of content for our minds. You know, he's not the the cosmic podcaster, you know, just wanting us to be subscribers. He wants us to be embodied in his plan for creation. In in the kingdom to come, we will not be asked to reveal our YouTube history to show that we've been watching all of the Christian content. Yeah. I mean, I want to almost say like, it, that doesn't matter, you know, <laughs> at all, you know, and somehow it's, it's what we do in our bodies and with other real human beings that, that ultimately matters. And it's not to, again, like I, I don't want to be that one saying, you know, 
this is all bad because it's not right because those things can in, indeed provide us with the impetus and the 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 dynamism to return you know to the world there are times we need to withdraw and as part of that withdrawal you know and and that rest and that preparation for for ministry you know surrounding ourselves with with good thoughts good ideas you know the, the, there can be inspirational talks there that that really guide us and direct us in our lives but that's what it is, right? You can't live your life there, right? That is not life. That is the prophetic word that sends us back into the world or should mm -hmm. do. Uh, if it's keeping us there and holding us there, then it's missed the point, right? For the people who mm -hmm. came out to see St. You know, John the Forerunner in, in the wilderness, if they'd said, this is great stuff. Can we just camp out here and stay here and just listen to you forever? He would have said, no, go and do what I'm saying, right? We need to challenge the world with, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand, right? Now go and work for that kingdom. If you need to hear that voice, that's good, but now go and do it, right? You can't, it's not about uh, just dwelling in the, the prophetic uh, voice uh, you know, of, the, of the one who has attracted you in the first place. If you're not a patron of Enacting the Kingdom, you're only getting half a podcast. This show only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. When you become a patron, you'll get additional episodes, live streams, and our ever-growing backlog of episodes, 66 at the time of this recording. And as we're social media free, Patreon is the only place to engage with us and others about these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. There's two things from Christian history that are coming to mind when it comes to this topic. One is that passage in Corinthians where Paul's talking about like, oh, well, you call yourself, you know, uh, I am of Paul. I am of uh, Kephas, I'm of this person, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Christ, right? People are associating themselves with a figure, like a, a lone figure, as opposed to seeing themselves as belonging to the whole community. And you, you also have this tension when it came, uh, uh, you know, thousand years ago or so, and there was this tension about which one of these great ecumenical teachers was the best. Is it Gregory the Theologian, John Chrysostom, or Basil the Great? Which mm -hmm. one's the best? And there was these different camps. And then the church said... Okay, enough of that. We're going to celebrate them all on the same day. Yeah. <laughs> you can't pick. You have to hold them all together. And, and I think that's the temptation is, is sometimes we, we have our favorite speakers. We have our favorite podcasters. I hope that people who listen to this, like we're going to talk about the irony of all of this soon. Don't worry. But we, we, you know, we do. We do I, I have my favorite podcasts. I like certain speakers and I actively don't like other speakers that other people might like. And I think that that's, that's obviously okay, right? There's style, there's, there's art, right? The speaking is an art and, and things like that. And you can enjoy the art of it. You can enjoy the teaching. But to, to call yourself maybe like a disciple of that person to, mm -hmm. the, to the exclusion of, other, uh, of the church even... Mm -hmm. Right, I think that there there can develop a problem there, and, and and I would, and and I'm really hesitant to use. For example, I am a subscriber to the Minimalists podcast. They're their Patreon. I really I listen to them every week for two and a half years. Right, they're they're like people that are in my family. You know, that's how often I listen to them. They have no idea who I am, but you know, <laughs> I listen to them, and they have affected my life very deeply. And mm -hmm. I I but. I would never You're not their call, disciple. <laughs> I, I would never call myself a minimalist, yeah. right? Because that's not my 
identity, right? That I behave minimalistically, but I would, wouldn't give myself that banner of minimalist. And, and to me, I'm not sure if you would agree or if our listeners would, but to me, that seems to be the line, right? Um, placing your identity into that thing is, is where I find that it can be a little dangerous. Yeah. And I really like how you've drawn attention to, you know, for example, the way the Apostle Paul, you know, talks about this, because this, this is not a new issue. That's what I was trying to start this thing off by saying. It's not a YouTube problem or a TED Talk problem or a podcast problem, an internet problem. It, this is a human problem, right? And so St. Paul is dealing with this in the very first generation or two of, of the Christian church. And, you know, what he's really suggesting here is that what matters is not celebrity, right? Uh, but character and not, you know, con consumption of what these celebrities are, are providing, but the cross, right? What God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not about the intimate kind of relationship that you form with these, with these figures, but about discipleship of, of Christ, you know, himself, right? And so even if, if these, and we see them today in, in Christianity. We see them in the Orthodox Church, right? And, and across, you know, different platforms. And there are certain big and well-known platforms that are kind of pushing this agenda, it seems, where, you know, the, the goal seems to be like success and you, you, you the marketing is, is the way you go about it. And celebrity is the fruit, right? This, and, and this is all contrary to what, you know, St. Paul, you know, is, uh, is talking about. And, and there's another scriptural image here, which is really, really fascinating. You go back earlier. Um, and again, it's in this kind of realm of prophecy and everything. And I think of the call of Isaiah, right? And that, you know, he's brought into this beautiful vision of the, the, the majesty and holiness of God himself, you know, with the angels and the smoke and the heavenly court and, and everything. And, and, and God is asking for someone to speak for him, right? And Isaiah puts himself forward, you know, here I am, you know, and, and then God tells him what he's to do. And it's like the polar opposite of everything we've been talking about, right? He, he's going to go out and be unpopular, right? He, the, the, the people's hearts have to be stiffened, their ears dulled, their eyes shut. You know, there's not going to be, uh, a lot of subscribers to Isaiah. There's not going to be stadiums full of, you know, rabid fans. There's not going to be celebrity and popular acclamation and everything by almost every measure that we could come up with his ministry is going to be a complete failure right <laughs> and then isaiah sort of thinking what did i volunteer for mm -hmm, he says mm -hmm. like how long how long is, is it going to be like this you know and then is it going to turn around or whatever and, and it's not a very encouraging answer right until towns are desolate without inhabitants houses without people and the land itself lies devastated you know but here's the point right in terms of the world, it will look like your prophetic ministry is not successful. You know, you're not going to be popular. You're not going to win over a lot of fans. There's not going to be people asking for your autograph and singing your name and everything. But you are going to be faithful to my calling. Right? And it's this faithfulness that has to drive the thing, a trust in God, a, you know, everything that the, anybody and all of us ever say has to be pointing back you know, to God. It's not about us. It's not about our name. It's not about our fame. It's not about you know, anything to, to do with that. If we're called into ministry, and I think somehow if the church 
remembers that. He has both of these poles, mind you, at all times, you know, the hierarchical, institutional, you could almost say sacramental too, because this is where you go for, for you know, for the, the liturgy that is ordained, you know, by the church for that, that kind of guaranteed grace. I mean, I'm careful saying that, but I mean, we go and the Eucharist is celebrated no matter how, you know, famous your priest is, you know, you, he, he can lead your assembly in the divine liturgy uh, on a Sunday and you are receiving the same grace of God. This is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church that is constituted in that place. The saints are there. The angels are there. It's not about celebrity. You don't have to be going to a famous place for that to happen, right? And on the other pole, which is also there where the Holy Spirit brings lay people and both men and women you know, as well as, you know, people whose names, we, you know, we remember, celebrated elders and so forth, prophets, you know, that's, that's not because the church has ordained them or, or given them kind of license or, or, or approval, you know, for this, but it's because this is where the grace of God is, is cast abroad, you know, in the world. And both of those, you know, are, are important, but both of them depend on this, that it's about faithfulness to God's word and not about calling attention and power and authority, you know, for themselves. And, um, and yeah, and I just think, you know, th this has perennially been a problem, but I just, I love that image of Isaiah who's called mm -hmm. into this ministry and it's not going to look like, you know, I mean, I, I'm very hesitant to, to kind of call out any, any names here, but I mean, recently there's been this whole expose of, of the, you know, Mark Driscoll and Hillsong and, you know, all of that, um, you know, all the scandals and so forth of the mega churches and, and, and everything. I mean, it, it's not about that, really. I mean, Isaiah is the, count, the kind of polar opposite of, of that. And yet this is the image of what it is to be a prophet, a minister in, in the kingdom of God. If you are getting value from this podcast, please consider writing a short, positive five-star review on your podcast app. And even though we are social media free, there is still a place you can keep up to date with Enacting the Kingdom. You can join the email list by going to enactingthekingdom.com. Well, as we all know, the only reason why our podcast Enacting the Kingdom exists is to bring in as many viewers and listeners as possible, Father Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no, that is not the... Not the goal of the show, um, but it, the it's kind of isn't it ironic that we're talking about this on a podcast? Like you know, like obviously this is something that we've thought about, and, and we really have put in some thought into what does it mean that we're putting out teaching in this form, right? Uh, we didn't just begin. Actually, for those that don't know, when I was still in school, this was putting together the theory of this entire podcast was actually a project I did for Father Jeffrey. And then roped him into doing it after I graduated. Um, so, you know, we've thought a lot about it. But, you know, what does it mean for maybe others who, who podcast? Or, you know, how, how should me and you, Father Jeffrey, think about what we are doing? And, and maybe other Orthodox Christians, when they start putting out uh, material, maybe like, what, what's a good way of approaching this? Well, I mean, I think some of the things that I've, you know, just said, you know, out of St. Paul and out of Isaiah there, you know, about God valuing faithfulness more than success, right? So, I mean, we need to set, whenever you set about a project, you need to have goals. And what what is our goal? And I think for you and I, Father Yuri, uh, you know, for, for us, it's about the being faithful to the gospel. And I hope that comes across in every episode that it's not about, you know, tr trying to come up with some 
wonderful, novel, new thing that draws attention to us or to our ideas or anything like that, but about just standing faithfully pointing back, you know, to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the kingdom of God. We've called this enacting the kingdom, you know, for precisely that, you know, reason, um, you know, so it's, and it doesn't matter, you know, whether we have five or 15 or a thousand, you know, listeners, we'll just keep doing, you know, that work. Right. And, and I think that's part of it that, you know, it's the, it's the character over celebrity, the following the cross over just kind of material consumption of, 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 you know, ideas or whatever uh, about that discipleship over forming, you know, kind of connections ourselves with, with our listeners and, and so forth. I think the other thing to kind of, be careful of, um, you know, today, and I, you've probably come across this yourself in, in your own community, but, you know, so often people have already come to our communities having been formed in some pretty strong ways by yes, these figures on, on the internet. You and know, they, I, might I, even, they might even already come with a quote unquote pastor or priest that they are the disciple of even before right. they come to your Orthodox church. Yeah, so they're attending our parish, but they're already members, in a sense, of something else, right? Um, and I found that catechesis has become, you know, complicated, you know, because of that, you know. So, again, I'm not going to call out any of these names, but I mean, there's pretty powerful ones in in the Orthodox world these days that are, you know, responsible for, and thank God for this, you know, bringing people into our churches, right? And so, I mean, actually there was um, an interesting feature on uh, in the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese um, regular magazine, you know, called The Word. Um, uh, one of their priests in the, in the U.S. wrote about, um, you know, I think he, it's an incredible number, but I think he has like 40 catechumens or something in his parish right now. And he says most of them have come because they've been listening to one or another of these big names, you know, on the internet. And, and you know, and he points out a few of the, the pitfalls, you know, of this, but he's largely, you know, kind of celebrating that. And why wouldn't you? You've got 40 catechumens in your church. It's, it's quite remarkable. But I find the work has become really complicated, you know, with this, because you're having to, you know, well, I mean, unpack the, just the very idea that orthodoxy is an idea, that it's a philosophy, that it's a, it's an ideology that, you know, uh, you know, is over against all these other ideologies that happen to be out there in YouTube land or whatever. Uh, so that's one thing to, to bring people into a way of life, you know, and, and I've, I've shifted the way I do catechesis to really emphasizing, you know, that, and also introducing people to, you know, the idea that actually real faith, which is love and trust in God is perfectly comfortable with doubt, with, with struggle, with, with crisis and, and so forth, because it's precisely in and through crisis that we get the scriptures. I mean, those scriptures are all written at, a, at points and times of, of crisis in the lives of faithful people, but, and therefore it's, it's normal part of our, of our life. Whereas if you come with the idea that orthodoxy is an idea and ideology and so forth, that it's certainty and, you know, uh, in certain propositional truths, then doubt is seen as the enemy, right? And, and, and it's, you know, ultimately experience of human life is seen as a threat, you know, to faith. So I find my catechesis has shifted from being, okay, you want to know about the Orthodox Church, its history, its life, its sacraments or whatever, to now being primarily a job of saying, 
this is actually all compatible with experience, with, with real human life, with living together with other people, with, with the kind of doubts and crises that are going to attend just being a human being, right? So it's almost like, you know, we take for granted now that people will know an awful lot. In fact, they will probably have attended X number of, of Orthodox services online before they even darken our door because it's all out there, right? It's just so different from the life of the, the early church where you won't you won't be present at a divine liturgy in its fullness until after you're baptized and received, right? And uh, we have the remnants of that still in, in the liturgy itself, where, you know, the, the dismissal of the catechumens, the, 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 the instruction to lock the doors and so forth against people who don't belong to that community. But today it's all out there. It's like all the... All this stuff is is available long before people come, and so they've got these preconceived ideas, these ways of of intersecting their their life um, and and faith that they have to be almost re rebuilt, redeveloped, you know, in, because real Christian life doesn't look like it does if you just have a YouTube version of of orthodoxy. And I think that's that's made uh, it, it's certainly shifted the ground of what catechesis and discipleship is, is all about. But uh, you know, it, it, it's something we have to be very much aware of today um, in in what people are exposed to long before they they get a chance to to experience the real life of worship and liturgy of the local community. Absolutely. One thing that I feel like I have to stress, you know, with new catechumens is it is impossible to be an Orthodox Christian and not be attached and practicing in community uh, at a local Orthodox parish, right? Like there's, you know, if you find yourself being Orthodox, but having never gone to church in a year and not, you know, on purpose and not going to any of those churches or anything, but you're Orthodox and you post online and you do all that kind of stuff, you know, there's probably a problem there. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it, it has been a problem for a while, you know, um, because people, you know, long before the advent of, of this kind of celebrity Orthodox culture and podcasting and everything, I mean, people were becoming Orthodox through books or whatever, you know, and I, I think the, the reality was a lot of converts into Orthodox Christianity, you know, you think about, well, what jurisdiction do you belong to? Is it Greek? Is it Antiochian? Is it Serbian? Is it Romanian or whatever? I think most of them belong to what you might call the theoretical Orthodox Church. Um, and, uh, right, right. you know, and, and almost avoided real community life because it could never live up to that, right? It could never match that vision that that kind of ideological presentation of of what christianity is all about whereas it's got to be lived the other way around you know and uh, you know it's it's in real people right and and part of you know if anything the catechetical delay that we all you know that we introduce and which is i think still foreign to a lot of way people think about things you know if you've, you've got an idea you know i want to be part of this group, you know, why set like a one to three year, you know, interval between when people have the, the thought of joining and when they can properly join, it seems a little bit off putting, right? Why do we do that? Well, probably the best reason for that is that people can live in community and experience the fact that uh, there is hypocrisy, you know, there is falling short, there is, you know, sin, there is still human reality here. And if you only ever join the theoretical Orthodox Church and you only ever, you know, read about it in books or indeed hear about it in podcasts and, and, and so forth, you're going to be sadly disappointed, you know, when you meet the fact that God actually, 
is incarnate and mucks in with real human beings, you know, and often, you know, human beings uh, of the least um, attractive sort, um, you know, but this is where that presence of God is to be felt, you know, in the world. And that, that takes real spiritual development to be able to be aware of that and to be able to see that, to be able to live with that. And it's not a matter of just living in our heads with these glorious ideas and philosophies and ideologies of that, that can be presented in the, the medium of podcasting and, and so forth. So I hope, Father Yuri, you and I are not responsible for, for introducing people to a theoretical you know, Orthodox Church. I think one of my guiding principles here in in having these chats with you has got to be being real you know being real about our our human experience about the way god intersects with that and and comes to dwell with us precisely in everything that makes us human including the the parts that are are not properly speaking you know the the, the perfect pr- projection of orthodoxy that that you might experience uh, in mm-hmm. these you know different media Another way of putting this might be, if you're listening to this and you're considering orthodoxy and you've never been to an orthodox church, we would gladly have you stop listening to us forever and never come back as long as you went and began participating in a local church community. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will always point you at that and not say, you know, you're not, nobody here is orthodox because they're listening to this podcast, right? That does not make you orthodox. You can only be orthodox by receiving the divine body and blood of Christ in the body of Christ, which is an embodied local orthodox community with all of its warts, with all of its faults, with all of its hypocrisy, with all of its, you know, human struggle and crises and doubts and, and so forth. That's where God is. That's where you become and you live your life as an orthodox Christian. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Yuri Gladio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning, and I'm joined on this show by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Come connect with us on Patreon with any thoughts and follow-ups about this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time.